Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. When you look at these pictures, you get a sense of what black life was like. Some of them look pretty prosperous. We were never taught that America was bad and that we were not Americans. We were raised to love America. Protesters topple a statue of Christopher Columbus and hundreds of statues have been vandalized. You see people trying to rewrite history. The American people know these names have to go. Why is that? The reason that that lie exists is power. There are certain people who are using the Negro in order to establish that power in Washington. And the Negro is just merely a pawn in a game that's bigger than he is. Welcome back, everybody. That is a trailer from a really awesome movie, Uncle Tom 2, which can be found at SalemNow.com, SalemNow.com. Joining us now is a great patriot and a colleague on the Salem Radio Network. His show is doing very, very well. You can hear it all across the country as he does a fabulous show every night. It's Brandon Tatum. Brandon, welcome back to the program. Charlie, thank you for having me on. Loving the radio show, man. Listening to it almost every night when I'm driving around and carrying on Larry Elder's legacy. Tell us about the film, Uncle Tom 2. Yeah, Uncle Tom 2, I think, is a tremendous film that tells the true history of Americans of African descent. And it, it digs into the nuances of how Marxist uh, individuals in our country, uh, namely the leaders of BLM, are literally uh, taking the black community down the drain and, and having this anti-American theology that's, that's causing uh, individuals who are black in this country to hate America, to feel like a perpetual victim. And those things are, are detriments, and we have to change those. And, and Uncle Tom, too, kind of expressed the the uh, avenue in which we can go about changing some of the things that are going on in our country and, and really espousing uh, success and victor or, or success and allowing us to be victors uh, moving forward. Yeah, so let's talk about that. I mean, there is, I think, this massive gap of history that people miss. Part of the trailer is that black America was not being treated correctly from a public policy standpoint. Obviously, segregated bathrooms, Jim Crow. But despite that, there was a flourishing that was happening in black America, or at least a trajectory of flourishing, right? That if it was allowed to play out, according to Thomas Sowell, by the 60s, 70s, or 80s, Black America very well might have been wealthier per capita than white America. What happened, Brandon? Well, I, I want to go back to the history. You know, in the, in the 20s and 30s, we saw an explosion of innovation, explosion of inventions and, and, and ownership by black Americans that we don't even see today. I mean, you're talking about uh, Booker T. Washington with Tuskegee uh, Institute. You're talking about Black Wall Street in the 20s. Also, Black Harlem. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of these places. And, you know, one interesting thing that you, you'll see in the film is that when they were boycotting uh, the buses and they wanted the black people to ride in the front of the buses, black people own their own bus line. 
it was it was absolutely not necessary to go that far when we could have just been building on our own platform that we had. So we, we noticed that the uh, the invent or the advent of Marxism and the social social ideology pushed us more uh, towards the government and away from God and away from the family. And you can look at the statistical data. You see that there's less young people being born into married families and more being born out of wedlock than we saw even in the 30s. When you look at the government assistance programs and, and, and the victimhood uh, that's being expressed by these fake black leaders, we see more of it now than we've ever seen in the history of black people post-slavery. And and I think the movie does a really good job at ex- expressing those things. And I really wish people would wake up to the fact that there's a Marxist strategy mm-hmm. and the dependence on the government has really hurt and, and in some cases destroyed uh, black culture and the black America in this country. So I want to be careful the way I ask this question, but there's this argument out there, which is, okay, 1940s, 1950s, black America was segregated. Okay. But it seems as if there is a push to resegregate America, right? Black only dormitories, you know, affirmative action policies. There, There's a big movement behind that, especially driven by BLM to say that, well, when we were segregated, we were able to do better. I find segregation to be evil and wrong and terrible. Now, there was a movement to end segregation driven by black Americans. How do we make sense of all that, Brandon? Well, it's a, it's a very nuanced conversation because you talk about segregation uh, before, obviously, desegregation. I, I don't think segregation was good. But I did think that during that time, black people actually owned things. They owned their own businesses. They had their own schools. When we forced ourselves into desegregation or, or somewhat of an assimilation, black people lost an identity. I mean, the, the schools were, mm. were demolished. The black teachers couldn't get work in the white schools that they integrated into. And, and I don't know if the timing was right, because now we've seen a, a level of what we say lack of ownership. I mean, let's let's go back to the early 1900s. Madam C.J. Walker, Sarah Bree Love is her government name. She was the first female millionaire out of any race. And you talk about all of the great black people who had great success. And now it seems like we don't have any generational wealth. We A lot of black people don't own uh, uh, as much things as we owned in the past. HBCUs are falling apart. And so we see that, you know, this civil rights movement uh, may not have may have had unintended consequences that have left black America, you know, somewhat desolate in certain aspects. So So I don't go ahead. No, 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 no. no, Sorry. Finish that thought. No, I just, I I don't think that segregation uh, um, necessarily ending segregation was a bad thing. I just think that it was unintended consequences on ending it the way it was ended. And I think that black people lost their identity in the process. Yeah. And look, ending for segregation is always a good idea from a public policy standpoint. You read the book by Christopher Caldwell called Age of Entitlement. It adds a lot of nuance, though, to how it was ended. And you, in, you bring up an interesting point, Brandon, which was forcibly ending. So, for example, in Chicago, I just know this anecdotally and growing up there, it's kind of folklore there and it's true. A lot of these vibrant black communities, they were forcibly relocated to Section 8 project, project houses such as Caprini Green. And, you know, a lot of these homes were consolidated under this kind of urban renewal project. And so under the guise of this, you almost had what was a vibrant and anti-fragile community that was very strong, right, with lots of ties. It, it almost was taken apart by the federal government via the great society. Is that a fair way to put it? 
I think it's a, a fair and accurate way to put it, Charlie. The government is the problem here. Segregation was enforced by the government. It's not the will of the people. Hmm. And desegregation was forced by the government, not the will of the people. I, I believe if the That's government right. would have gotten out of the conversation, I think we would have seen a lot more of a uh, natural and a cohesive integration into society amongst both sides. Mm. Because when you talk to people who lived during that time period, it, it wasn't as crazy as people may imagine. Black people were living and thriving in their own communities and white people were living and thriving in their own communities. However, there was not much conflict because people stayed to themselves. I think in a natural sense, because of human nature, we would have come together in a more genuine way than for the government to then force people to have to accept or adopt certain principles that they may not have been ready for. And we see it happening in a day. I mean, the government is literally with, with BLM as their uh, military arm. They're trying to force uh, a society into resegregating. I, I yes. mean, just, just leave us, just stay out of our business. Leave us to the love and appreciation that we have for one another and quit trying to go so woke. I mean, you look at the NFL. They want to tell us that you need to force the NFL to hire more black coaches. Are these black coaches qualified? Are they good at what they do? They want to force people into CEO positions in, in these major that's Fortune exactly 500 right. companies. That, that's not the way things work. It's it, that so, animosity. It's so colonialist when you think about it, right, that we're going to force and impose on you a certain viewpoint. So, Brandon, we're going to talk about this more. SalemNow.com. Check it out. Uncle Tom 2. And it's very important when you look back on that period of time, there was a mass amount of government intervention that very well might have been, you know, seeded with good intentions. But the result is not so good. Broke apart the black family, broke apart the black church, really, in some ways, misrepresented some parts of the country with race relations. And don't take my word for it. Go read Age of Entitlement by Christopher Caldwell which is the best book on this topic. It's filled with thought crimes. Brandon, what really bothers me is how the black community is continually taken for granted by the Democrat Party. You've been really leading this charge with the amazing Candace Owens with Blexit and your program and deserve so much credit for that. And I just want to take a you know pause. The black conservative movement is in a much healthier and stronger position thanks to your leadership, Brandon, and Candace, and the work you guys are doing across the board, truly. Because it was always kind of, you know, there were some black conservative voices, amazing people, Thomas Sowell, all that. But now it's really moving and it's growing. Democrat Party takes the black community for granted. BLM was mobilized in great numbers in 2020 via white guilt and other ways. But Brandon, do you find it interesting about how out of all the national conversations right now, race is not a primary conversation heading into the midterms? What are we supposed to make of that? Well, I think that, you know, we got to look at the midterms as a political strategy on both sides, right? I don't think that a lot of these politicians are genuine in their approach. I don't think they really have a vested interest in fixing any issues. What they want to do is promote an issue that gets people riled up, to get their emotions uh, running, uh, to get them in, in a level of or in a position of fear, and then they can run and campaign on that. And if you look at the Democrat Party and the black community, the reason why they've been having the black community in a stronghold or in a chokehold, I'd say, is because all they do is pitch promises every single year. We promise to do this. We promise to do this. Look, the scary white man is out here ready to get you. We're going to protect you this year. Well, we didn't protect you last year. We're going to protect you this year. It's the Republicans' fault. I mean, they, they just continue to push a narrative for political expediency, and they're not addressing any of the real issues. 
Because if Democrats really cared about the black community, they will be addressing crime in the inner city. They will be addressing the police department and not in a way in which they're expressing that they need to revise and rethink policing. They would be saying that we're going to fund police. We're going to get them better training. We're going to get more minorities involved in policing so they can patrol their communities that they're familiar with. Um, but, but that's not the approach, Charlie. They, they're, they're just out for uh, getting votes and promise you something that they can have leverage on for the next 100 years. Longer term, what are Republicans going to do differently? And you talk about a lot in the, the movie Uncle Tom, too. What do we have to do differently? Republicans need to be more involved in these inner city communities. I mean, don't be afraid to go into these churches or, or, or give a message to some of these people. Because when I was growing up, I never heard a message from the Republican Party. I only heard the message of the Republicans from Democrats. And, of course, they say Republicans are racist white people. That's, that's the only pitch that they have. And if they want to destroy America and they don't care about democracy, and now they got January 6th, and if you're a Trump supporter, you're a terrorist. I mean, they, they play all of that in, in, into an effect. But if Republicans will consistently go out and, and reach across the aisle and say, listen, let's talk about policy. Let's talk about what makes your community better. Let's talk about gas prices. If, if we can do that on a consistent basis, we'll win over people who are already conservative. I mean, listen, this is prime real estate right now. Black people are majority conservative people. I don't know a black person that's not conservative. However, they just don't hear the message. It's it's almost like uh, people looking for a redeemer, but they never heard the gospel. They're primed and ready. You just need people to come out and preach the gospel to them, and you will see a conversion like never before. In closing here, Brandon, can you comment on how the black community is not okay with this trans stuff? about how that's actually an opening to win over black voters. Black voters are actually more socially conservative, and yet they're basically being controlled by white liberals. Talk about that. Right, and it's it's because they're being controlled by people who are acting as proxy for the black community that do not represent the black community. Mm -hmm. It's the white liberal and these fake black leaders that are destroying the community. They're not representing what majority of black people feel and think. I don't know of a black person that's a part of the LGBTQ push. And I'm not saying gay or straight. I'm saying the LGBTQ push. That's a, yes. that's a whole nother conversation. That's right. They have an agenda to push pedophilia. If you ask me, that's their ultimate goal. However, when I was growing up, this is, that's unacceptable. Totally. You know, most black people were in the church, believing in God, Traditional believing values. in the nuclear family. Yes. All of those things are, are historically what black people represent. And I think it's still the case. However, the people who are representing the black community are not representing them in a fair way, and they need another outlet, and the Democrats are not that outlet. This men can become pregnant, gender fluidity, that is a loser in the black community. It might work in Martha's Vineyard, it might work in Malibu, it might work at Harvard, but if Republicans are serious, in my opinion, and Brandon, you just said it, if they're serious about winning back black voters, you have to get very clear about your social conservative values. They're very socially conservative. Fiscally, probably moderate, pro-small business, all that, doesn't matter. The social issues you can win over very quickly. They think it's insane, rightfully so, that their kid is going to be taught that men can become pregnant. Brandon Tatum is here, movie Uncle Tom 2, SalemNow.com. Brandon, keep up the great work. Everyone should listen to his program on the Salem Radio Network. He does a great job. Thank you, Brandon. God bless you, Charlie. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.